I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, ladies and gentlemen, we have two esteemed guests, two gentlemen that you could argue are the origin, you could say, George, of Retro Ramble. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. They are partly responsible for for this podcast because they were very influential in, in the films that we grew up with. So you've heard their names before, uh, I guess, uh, Age Before Beauty. Welcome the Glenn Dinnings. Hello, John. How are you doing? Hi, Charlie. Hi, George. Doing great. Thank you. And joining us also is your younger brother, James. How are you doing, James? Very well. Absolute pleasure to join you on this podcast this evening. I've been a fan in the background and it's uh, really a joy now to be uh, to be a part of it. Well, we've talked about it. We've threatened it for, for many years. I remember chatting with John. Uh, I thought it was only a couple of years ago, but then John was like, no, that was pre-COVID of like me drunkenly saying to John as you were driving me back home, like, we've got to get you on the podcast, buddy. Everyone's, everyone's asking for it. Everyone's asking for it. <laughs> I think I so may have no, my hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, no, we are thrilled to have uh, the brothers Glendinning are joining the brothers McGee. We would both, we would all, I think it'll come up today. Our parents were an influence getting us into film, but the real influence was each other. We watched everything you've heard on Retro Ramble. The classic episodes have been films we watched with these guys. Friends from home are, both of our parents, they still live. We may have run away, but our parents still live in, in the village. Um, still live on the same street. Yeah, on the same street. Yeah. And we were literally neighbours. I think it's worth pointing out is that we were we were long distance neighbours for a long time. But before that, we were Next jump over the fence neighbours. If you've not listened to an episode before, what have you been doing with your life? This is a hundredth episode. God. But if you have listened before, you know what to expect. George, are we going to give anybody a sort of warning to this episode? Yeah, I, th- I think we've got to do the usual housekeeping. So Retro Ramble is a lighthearted look back at the the films of the, the 80s and 90s, the films that Charlie and I, we are brothers, and it's the films that we grew up with. There'll be some trivia There'll probably be some bad impressions. And it's just looking back at what made those films that we grew up with great. Uh, Have they been remade? Have they been turned into a Netflix series? And just what makes them tick in general. Uh, So there will be spoilers from from the very off. There might be some, some swearing, but we'll try and keep that to a minimum. But yes, just enjoy the show. And I think we we should probably announce what we're covering. It's Christmas, it's, so it's, we are covering a Christmas movie of choice. Is that right? It's a big it's a big movie with the McGee family, but I uh, I know it's also a big Christmas choice with the Glenn Dinnings as well. Is that right? Indeed, yeah. And w- w- I remember watching it with 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 both of you in the past as well. Uh, and it's a regular now. Every December it comes out. Well, I, I think that's how we communicate around Christmas, James. It's usually in in quotes from this film, rather than like, "How are you? What are your plans for Christmas?" Like, real nice, Clark. Real nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
you, you know you're dealing with like a good friend when they just send you a two-worded text of shit is full. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so have you both watched it? John, have you watched this uh, take you in I've preparation? Seen, I've, seen it a, I've seen it a couple of times in the past. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. Ten minutes. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, we kind of, it's the start of our Christmas period. It's the, the, watch, the first watch of this film in the festive season. That's how I know, right, the run of Christmas is starting because I'll, I'll watch this. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, do you guys, well, a question for both of you, do you watch it? Every every single year without fail. Yeah, and I would say pro- I might not hit ten. You know, watch it ten times, but definitely uh, we're in we're in high single figures of how many times I watch it during the Christmas period. Oh wow! Okay, James, what about you? Do you yeah, like? Is it a regular watch? It is, but it has also become one of those films that um, can just be part of the um, the background entertainment while you're doing other Christmas uh, festive nice. things like decorating the tree and you'll just have the film running in the background. And because you know it so well, you don't need to sit engaged watching it. It's just having the background noise of the... Uh, uh, the laughter and jokes that you know so well occurring. Yeah, I'm glad, I, you, I'm glad you put it like that because I f- I feel like that film is like that 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 it's it, it it is while you're getting it while while you're getting your Christmas stuff together, put it on. It's like because I think the problem is you put on something like a film that maybe is say Lethal Weapon or Die Hard, other Christmas films, which we'll, we'll talk about Christmas films and which aren't and which aren't later but like sometimes you want to put it on and it's like oh it's like, it's like a wonderful life just put it on it's Christmassy it's like music it's like you know put a Bing Crosby but th- this is this is one of those films so I'm glad you said that James because I kind of was like sometimes I want to watch this film and sometimes I just want to have it on have it on in the background so uh, George what's the what's this is a uh, John Hughes joint what's the the year is it 88 89 like, 89 89 not enough shoulder pads to be any earlier in the 80s but a good, nice dose of male misogyny. So, without any further ado, let's hit the episode. It's Christmas Vacation. This was number, which which number was this in the franchise? Was this the fourth? Third. The third. So we had, by this point, we'd had European, oh no, it was no, American, vaca- European, and then Vacation, this. then European Vacation, then Christmas Vacation. And this. Okay. Great. Okay. Strap in, boys. We're going back to 989. Here it is. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck! They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. Sorry. Got a little knot here. You can work on that. What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. (laughs) Oh, hell, there's plenty of room. Do you sleep with your brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is, Mom? Well, I'm sleeping with your father. Have you got a kiss for me? (laughs) Eh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. He's got a lip fungus they ain't identified yet. So genuinely moving, more truly uplifting. Can I show you something? This year, let Chevy Chase light up your holidays. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. 
That thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. <laughs> so, George, um, are we going to bore John and James to death with production chat island? Have they got any production chat nuggets? Is there much? Thankfully, because we have a couple of guests on and there'll be you know, a fair bit chatting, there, there, in this case, there isn't much production chat. So it's a very short journey uh, to production island or on the production chat train. But as you, you mentioned before, Charlie, so yeah, this uh, John Hughes, obviously huge uh, influence on a lot of 80s films, writer and, and director. I think you wrote both, both vacation, the first two vacation movies. So vacation and European vacation. And he wrote Christmas vacation was actually based on a short story of his that had been published in the National Lampoon magazine. And when it came round to who was going to direct it, John Hughes himself was busy on post production of Uncle Buck at the time. So he had to bow out. Originally, uh, he had lined up uh, Chris Columbus and Chris Columbus was going to take it on and he met with Chevy Chase and despite being desperate for work and desperate for the paycheck, he turned to John Hughes and said, I can't work with Chevy Chase. Um, I'm going to bow out. (laughs) So Chris Columbus would then go on to something else because John Hughes was like, oh, well, I've got another Christmas idea. Maybe you could work on that. And that was Home Alone. So okay. Chris Chris Columbus turned out, things turned out right, all right for him because uh, Home Alone was a massive smash hit, whereas I think Christmas Vacation was a modest hit that has obviously, you know, continued to, to be a beloved Christmas movie. But in terms of when they came out at the time, Home Alone was a, a riot, like, you know, box office behemoth. So they brought in a, a first-time director, uh, a guy called Jeremiah Chechnik, and uh, just like the the old sort of background of a lot of 80s directors we've talked about, he, he uh, cut his teeth on, I think, music videos. So, But he managed to, he met with John Hughes, he met with Chevy Chase, and he managed to convince them he was the man for the job. And I think it's safe to say, you know, he does a pretty good job of this. So the only other sort of uh, production trivia I would say is that being a Christmas film, they were naturally filming it in the summer and it was on the Warner Brothers back lot in California. So it's quite warm. I can't work this out. I've tried to pin this down in, in my research, but I'm not sure if it's the Griswold's house itself or it's Todd and Margot's house, but one of them is the same house from Lethal Weapon, is the um, Murtaugh's house, because it was filmed on the Warner Brothers back lot. And Chevy Chase even said when they turned up on set, the the toilet from Lethal Weapon 2 was still on the front lawn <laughs> when, when, when they rocked up. So... so must have been quite bizarre for the cast, you know, filming in in the middle of summer. But then all the um, the winter sequences, you know, the opening when they're getting the Christmas tree and the sledging bit that was filmed up in Colorado in Breckenridge. And just sort of sods law, they tr- all traveled up all the production up to Breckenridge. There was no snow. They worked out all this light logistics of shipping in snow with lorries. And just as the lorries were about to turn up, it dumped snow for like three days solid and they had like 10 foot of snow. So yeah, that's, that's essentially the, the quick whip round tour of, of how this film came to be. 
Well, let's let's hit it over to the guys. So obviously, the Griswolds are a very big staple of the McGee family. I think uh, I think Dad saw a lot of our family in it, or other families that we that he might have been in business with. Um, so it, it was it was kind of a catch all. So I mean, we've watched all of them to death. What? Because I know this film is important to you guys, but what about the rest of the franchise? Were you into it at all? I, I was, yeah, because um, I remember the first two coming out as well. Right. I think, and yeah, being the oldest, of it, yeah, obviously. So yeah, I, I, I love them, and, and I still watch them all now. Um, st- still really, really enjoy the, the the comedy, and I think it's just the fact it's easy watching. That's what I've enjoyed about all the National Lampoons. Is mm. and you can, like you say, you can relate it to what happens in everyday family life. That, that, that's what I think they capture quite well, and and um, and I, it, so it, it just it provides good 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 comedy and, and easy light-hearted watching. What about you, James? I have to say it was different for me. I, the one that stuck out for me was Christmas Vacation. I, I I've seen the previous ones, but they were never big features for me. There's a lot of films around that era, certainly the John Hughes ones, whether it be you know uh, Uncle Buck or Great Outdoors or Planes, Trains, Automobiles. I remember watching all of them, but the, the Griswold ones, not particularly. It was uh, it was more Xmas Vacation. Then, of course, because I loved that, I, I've ended up watching Vegas Vacation afterwards just a few times, just for comedy value. But the, no, I wasn't. I'm not a Griswold fan i'm more of an xmas vacation fan nice well it's it's, it's funny like i would say i haven't watched a european vacation in in quite some time but i re-watched the original vacation and that's a little bit problematic in terms of like some of the comedy has has aged very poorly um, slightly misogynist a little bit misogynist a little bit racially insensitive but you know when they get i think they break down in detroit or something but in this, I think it's, it might just be me, but yes, it's a little bit misogynist. But I think generally, a lot of the jokes are at the family's expense. Whereas on the other vacation movies, obviously, it's their road trips. So it's usually at the expense of other people, whether it is like another city or another country. Um, whereas, yeah, they're, racial they're stereotypes. Yeah, racial, <laughs> racial stereotypes and, and, and the like. Whereas I feel in this, it's very much and probably arguably a reason why it's probably most beloved or rewatched out of the uh, the Griswold's films is it's so relatable that you know in terms of that that time at christmas in terms of you know those relationships we'll have everyone with- over it'll be fine i just want to have the perfect christmas it's the tension it's the tension it, and it's those relationships between the sort of the in-laws the the uh, the cousins you rarely see the the you know the parents that are just like I'm just going to get drunk. Like, is it is it um, Ellen's mother, the, the 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 redhead that's just constantly got a cocktail and a cigarette in hand <laughs> in every scene? I can't tell you how many times that we had to cut the top off the Christmas tree because it just didn't quite fit in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> It's, John's it's like, really trust me, I, I, it's really I worked, I worked, I worked at Slaley. I know where the good ones are. Come on, you stay the car. Nobody's gonna miss it. I'm not, I'm not paying for those overpriced trees down at the at the lot. I, 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 I can't. That resonates with me. I'm like walking the streets of Paris and like. Do we get a sad? It, this is where it's at. It's like, do we get a sad, depressing tree that I have to put on top of a cabinet for like forty nine euro, or do we get like what I would call? a Christmas tree for 80 euro 
or do we get a fake one? And you're just like, it's sustainable. And you're just like, yeah, but in that case, I'm going to build one out of Lego. You know, it's like, come on. So, yeah, is, that, I, is that when you turn into to Clark Griswold and you're like, no, Jules, this is what our forefathers did. You no, have to get a property. Like, like there are extremes in this film, but you do, you do, some of it does resonate. It's obviously 80s. I, th- I think some of it is like nostalgia. Like, oh, I remember when people used to talk on phones and they, they were going through problems that like that resonate with the 80s. But I think when I was saying it, George, because I don't know why, but this will show you what this what this film means to our family. For some reason, I watched this with my dad over the summer. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, I hope speaks volumes now it's, uh, maybe it's not some well, I, I don't know when i was over i think yeah, i it think was, it was late august it was like yeah it was like so late summer like really the end of august and like, i was going through there you know it's like there was you know like it sounds ridiculous say there was nothing on netflix There was nothing on any of the streaming sites it was like let's see what you've got in the drawer and i was like do you want to watch this he's like oh yes get this on and so i've watched this twice i've watched this again obviously in preparation for this episode but yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's as James said, it's a nice film to put on when you're getting in the mood for Christmas mm. because I don't know, getting all the kids, come on, come on, let's let's get in the Christmas mood. Look, okay, and this this bit here, you see, look, that's Bruce Willis shooting the guy <laughs> through the table. So I mean there's there's Christmas movies and there's Christmas movies. But I, I think that's what this film taps into that. Other films are are set around Christmas and it's more about, yes, the spirit of Christmas, but this specifically, and it goes, it, it goes back to what James is saying. It, it, it pulls apart those Christmas traditions of like the fact that Clark wants that perfect Christmas. And there's so many things that you do relate to. Like I can't help thinking whenever I see a staple gun of this film, you know, of him, <laughs> of him doing the lights. And I don't know if it was the same with, with you guys, but Charlie and I, that was our job when we got to like a teenage years. Dad be like, right, boys, you put up the Christmas lights. Here's a staple gun, you know, see you in a few hours. And so literally like us, like between us, like managing the I have like, stapled the ladder. a glove. I've definitely sca- stapled a glove at least once. I could feel his and, pain. And going through the wire. That's a, that's a typical thing. So, uh, so I went into the attic yesterday and uh, putting the ladders up into the attic. And just happens that my ladders are the ladders that just happen to slide up and down. And all I ever picture when I'm on these ladders is clock sliding down the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> but, all all but that let, thing let, of, let, of opening the attic, John, and just being hit straight in the face as well. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Let's talk about what I think is the MVP of this character. And it's not his acting. It's his comedy acting. Chevy Chase for a slapstick. It's like we had Ben Stiller in like the nineties to give us sim, and you know. But like this is what because I watching this film twice in the last technically four months. Um, what stood out to me, I was watching his performance, and like there's the bit where he gets totally unhinged at the end, which we can get to. But his slapstick comedy throughout is like he's taking hits like there's no tomorrow. It's impressive. It's Saturday Night Live type level for me. Watching some of his facial reactions are just absolutely fantastic. Crazy eyes. I think it's a real tour de force. And I know, I say I hinted on it with uh, when I was talking about Chris Columbus, that Chevy Chase is legendary, well-known as a difficult person to work with. I think both him and Bill Murray can be very difficult, but I think Chevy Chase particularly has like a reputation of being, I don't know whether he's up himself... <laughs> or yeah, he, he just he just rubs up the wrong way. But I, when I was reading the sort of the retrospectives on this with the cast and crew, 
all of them, like particularly um, the guys at Johnny Galecki, who plays Rusty, who would go on to become, you know, the one of the main guys in Big Bang Theory. He has nothing but praise for him saying, you know, he really took him under his wing. He taught him like comic timing. So obviously it was like, I think his first film role. So a lot of people had constant praise for Chevy Chase on this film. But yeah, he is he is the MVP in this. And there's, as you say, Chai, there's so much like physical comedy. There's the whole bit where he's uh, talking to the girl at the lingerie counter and he's just falling apart. It's brilliant. And and then there's all the awkward bits with um, his, his boss, you know, the, the CEO. Greaseball. Grease, That's Grease Bill, Bill Murray's brother. Bill, Bill, yeah, Bill Brian Dulmer. And I've watched this film, you know, probably 20 times at least. But watching it the other night, I saw something new, which is when he brings the gift to, to Brian Dulmurray, gift from the family. I've never noticed that all the, all the gifts in the background, it's all the same all gift. The same Every, everyone's <laughs> bought the same gift for him. That's what I love about this film, though, is that actually every time you watch it, you notice something different that you didn't notice. There's yeah. quite a lot of hidden, hidden things on there that, uh, that make it so funny, or little little snippets that uh, just oh, it just make you laugh that you, this time that you missed last time around. <laughs> there's so much happening. There is a lot going on. Well, that's it. It's like um, when they're in the uh, in the Walmart or whatever, and Eddie's just putting in different bags of dog food. It just seems to be <laughs> nothing but dog food. <laughs> Cr- crushing all the, it's crushing all the glasses, isn't it, that he's already put underneath? <laughs> oh, my God. We, we have to have a segment for, for Cousin Eddie because there's that whole thing. You don't realise the bit that they're doing, like the lights are on and he's thanking each member of the family. And like after, the, after he's done it like with his mum and his dad and... Like, where's this going? And then it ends with, house looks real nice, Clark. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get, and they turn it up a notch. And I think for me, this this resonates with the type of film. I think this is why our dad and our, our parents love these films so much, is I think it borrows from other eras. You know, I think that whole thing of like, get the family together, get them into the house. This idea that the weird cousin turns up, it's like... It's no surprise my dad loves these sort of comedies. Like there's these series that have been on mainly British telestial television, the worst weekend of my life, you know, where the guys, it just, it just falls apart. My, My dad loves that. And I think it's about a different era. And the fact they bring it into this film that he's having a bad time and then cousin Eddie turns up and, as George is talking about, I'm thinking about that scene in Walmart where it's like, we'd like to get the kids' presents, and then he pulls out <laughs> the pre-prepared <laughs> list. <laughs> well, no, we couldn't accept Clark, but in fact, and then he, then he tops it all off with a, and you know what, Clark? I'd like to get you something really, <laughs> really nice. Because, nice. <laughs> I mean, you're paying for it. I just love that. It's like... <laughs> I don't know if John Hughes is doing the comedy writing or if there's some, it, there's definitely some improv, but there's like got to Ra- be some Randy improv Quaid there. and yeah. Chevy Chase are having a great time. I think that's part of why it's so appealing though, is that it, it reaches to, to lots of different generations. There's something funny for all members of the family. It's not targeted at a set audience and that's what makes it uh, so much fun for the whole family to sit and watch it. Absolutely. And I think that's it. When it comes to to family, there's, there's some stuff that you really want to say, but out of like obligation, you have to be like as polite as possible. And that's it. Like Eddie is pushing it to the, that extreme where he's um, the drinking the eggnog. And I, James, I remember you and I like chatting about this. Where he's just like, 
Can I refill your, your eggnog, Eddie? Take you out in the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's just destroying everything. <laughs> and the, the one thing, again, I, I, I think I have noticed this on, on previous watches, but my, it might be like the DVD, that enhanced resolution, but Eddie's outfit in that scene where he's, Clearly wearing, it's just like a cutoff of a roll neck underneath. His <laughs> <neck>. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still saving up every year to buy myself a blue leisure suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what he's wearing when it's like, it's like, have you come from an Elvis convention? But like, he's totally dolled up, and you just see that. I don't know, like it shows his acting prowess. Like Randy Quaid, like both when he rocks George and I, we covered uh, Independence Day. Was it the start of this year or the start of last year? We yeah, covered yeah. that recently. Like he turns up and it's like he's always in a different film to everybody else. You know, he's like, I'm here, Clark. Mm. You know, it's like he raises it. He, he really does raise it. And, um, well, I wouldn't say you can't have too many MVPs, but like uh, his wife in this, uh, what she called Maria. She's brilliant. Uh, she's in uh, all of them. There's her Be- and Beverly, Beverly Delangelo, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. yeah she, but she's amazing. The fact that she's the, um, she has to put up with him. And when he's being ridiculous, she's like, well, you know, Clark, you know, she's the voice, she's the voice of reason. And he's, he's um, like, Ellen, when have I ever overreacted? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it does, it, what's, what's funny about these films is it plays in the tropes. I think we all discover this film when we were probably growing out of our parents. So we, we probably didn't get all the jokes now, but now it kind of resonates more. And what's funny is I've got, uh, there's a colleague of mine, uh, Rasmus, uh, we, we, he's a Danish guy. And you, know, you imagine, you know, there's the, the language transfer. And he's like, ah, oh, best film ever. You know, it's like for him, it's, like, it's his Chris, favorite Christmas film. You mean, he might correct me on that, but like to me, he loves Naked Gun. And he's like, yeah, this uh, Naked Gun and uh, Christmas Vacation, it's, the, it's his Christmas film. That's what he watches. So it's like it transcends. It goes, mm. I think I think for the slapstick comedy, for the delivery of it, it's um, mixed with the, the shit is full, the sewage stuff. And it really does turn it up at the end. I think it's got a very good, I think it's very much more than, say, the other vacation films of it all falling apart. This seems to have a bit of a, I don't know, an act three. It's like, we've got to bring this all together. There's got to be uh, that 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 scene with Brian Dorn Murray and his wife and the police and the police dancing. It's the 80s. You know? see, one of, the, one of the things I, I, I really struggle with, and they're going to kill me for saying it, but every time I watch Clark Griswold, I just think, He's AKA Patrick Feeney. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it resonates. Yeah. And, 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 and I can just picture Patrick standing up there and saying, kids, we're putting in a tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've, I've booked it in. <laughs> I've got a holiday. Yeah, we're okay to play Charlie. We're good. <laughs> but, um... I think we got more use out of it than they did. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Clark just reminds me of Patrick and, uh, in the fact that I think Patrick always envisioned the perfect Christmas at the Feeney household. And it was always something went wrong. <laughs> Well, it's, it's that endless optimism, isn't it? It's like it's fine. We can salvage it. You know, right. it's slightly yeah. burnt, but it's fine. It's fine. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's talk about that because that's what I. I mean, from what on my my two viewings of this, uh, the thing that resonated me watching this again was uh, the whole episode of Clark losing his shit because it is like we we know a bit more about psychology now. It's quite a long episode, isn't it? Like him losing his his stuff is like. He gets angry and then he goes on rampage. He's got the chainsaw and he's taken out the the banister, and he's he's doing stuff. So it's like, um, but it's, it's an interesting thing. It's like he's had enough. 
but then it goes to another level. It's, it's an interesting place that they go to. Yeah, and it's almost like, as you say, it has to culminate with, like, Eddie has to go that one step further to almost defuse Clark of, like, well, at least I'm not as crazy as Eddie. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to kidnap my boss, even though I not talked that- about it. Not that crazy, but great, great performance from Brian Doyle. Should we, should we talk about the yuppies? Who I was going to say it's the I, most quotable line uh, out of this I, I film think, think is James, the Christmas tree line. James, James <laughs> would never f- forgive me if we hadn't talked about Todd and Margo. Margo. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have been at the height of Seinfeld, I'm guessing, for her to get no, a role in this. Um, I think Seinfeld. Yeah, was no, it would have been. It would have a been little bit. I think it was around the same time, but I think Seinfeld was probably early '90s, maybe. She's still popping up, you know. She's she's in. She popped up in in Black Winter Panther. Winter Soldier, uh, and she's in. Well, no, she's in. She's in the recent Marvel stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus. You know, she's carved a career for herself. Um, but yes, yeah, Todd and Margot as the yuppies, and obviously it was quite. Uh, you know, we've Charlie, you and I have chatted about this before, like especially with um, Trading Places. We've talked about other Todd. The, the, all those yuppies. It was quite a. But isn't a it funny that they? But I wanted to mention Trading Places. The fact that they had some time to think about this yuppie couple. They 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 write them. They narrate them. And in both Trading Places and in this film, it's like the yuppie guys called Todd, Margot. <laughs> They're just trying to live their own lives and are constantly disrupted by by Clark's madness. My favorite bit's the bit with the lights because I know there's the it, it builds it builds and there's the, there's the, there's a few lines and stuff but the the comedy and the bit where they they keep turning the lights on and off and they're just ruining their evening and she goes over there and then there's the stuff with this the squirrel there's a bit of an overreaction to a squirrel the people of Stocksfield yeah. would react differently to a squirrel than the people of Chicago 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 wherever Chicago they are. yeah yeah. Um, Okay, well, I don't know what else there is to say about this film. I think we've covered the highlights. Is there anything else you guys want to say about um, Christmas Vacation? Because George is probably going to give us... Is there any... There might be some could or should have, but before we go there, is there anything else you want to say about this film that we haven't talked about? You got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Honestly, co- co- comedy genius. Just just, just genius delivery and everything. I love that line. I think we've kind of covered why it still holds up. I think just in terms of there's so many of the Christmas traditions and the Christmas tropes that we can all relate to. And as you say, Charlie, like especially as we get older, and we're more like becoming, growing into that man of the yeah, house. Yeah, come over here. Come yeah. on, come on, sit at our place. It's about Christmas. It's about coming together. Why did how I many invite people everybody have, over? Why? How many why people did have I, we invited why, over? Why did I think this would be okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's as well the fact that from a, the fact that it was made in 1989, and our kids today still yeah. love yeah. it and really enjoy it. You know that shows that it's a good. It's been a great movie. And uh, and the fact that you can watch it every year and still enjoy it. There's not Absolutely. many, you know, there's, there's very few movies apart from, I could, we could reel off 90 or 100 that we really enjoyed from the early <laughs> <Yeah>. 80s. <laughs> Absolutely. What, what I'm not sure about it as a film is that if it was 
um, not set at Christmas with the Christmas theme, would it, it do so well year after year? It's well, just a comedy film because I think a lot of the appeal comes to the fact that it's set at Christmas. It's very Christmas themed. All the colours are Christmas themed and it gets you in that Christmas spirit. And, and if it was just an isolated comedy, would it, would it have stand up now as it, as it has done? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, what else would you do? Like a well, wedding? Well, no, like, that's like, what, like, no, they, they do two films before that. I don't have the exact figures of of all the films uh, together. I mean, all the only figures I have here is like it was made for twenty five million. It would go on to gross seventy two million. And in Hollywood standards, by then that's that's Washington's you know face. it's 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 a good you know it's it's successful, but it's not like as I say, Home Alone, a smash hit. But I think if you looked at the viewing figures of this versus all the other vacation movies, I think this would be way up because of, you know, it's a bit like, you know, those, this Christmas hit singles. If you get a catchy song, it is going to, every year people go, oh, let's put that on. It, it's comforting. It's reassuring. And I think trying to allude to earlier in the, in the chat, I think this is a nicer film than some of the other vacation movies that again, a lot of the, the humor is, is directed at the zaniness of Clark and the family. But I think because it's so isolated in for the Christmas setting there and they're immediate and they're not going on a road trip. I think maybe that's what makes it so easily to rewatch and easy viewing. But all the, all the things that happen throughout the film are all things that we all do every year. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what makes it so relatable, isn't it? To your everyday life and what we, what we experience at Christmas. And, uh, and you kind of, I, I, I still, you know, when I'm putting up the lights or, you know, putting the tree up, you just, you, you're trying your best not to make a mess of it because you've seen it and seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. You've, you're even, trying um, to do it quickly. You're trying to do it quickly. Like, well, I could move the ladders or I could just okay. <laughs> reach over here. And I mean, we joke about this, but I think my dad did this a few years ago where he was, I don't know if it was Christmas or whatever, but he was on ladders. Imagine up, up near their bedroom, two floors up. And he's like, and he just tried to jump across. <laughs> Ambulances were called. Uh, yes, I mean, yeah, we've all had our Clark Griswold moments, and and I think we may have more to come. <laughs> and I can guarantee, I, I can guarantee you, if we had a McGee Glendon and get together now, and both the dads were there about two o'clock in the afternoon, they'd both be sat in the chair snoring with the lips quivering away. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, and the dogs would be running riots, chasing each other around the house. So yes, I, I think that more we could easily recreate. Yeah. <laughs> Easy recreate that. So no, one one point I did just want to make there, because we were talking about how this is set at Christmas. James, just to answer your point, this is set at Christmas. The other three aren't. The other three yeah. are road trips, and this mm-hmm. is the one that kind of resonates. I like Vegas. I like the I like the vacation one was a bit rough. It's mm-hmm. like got. I guess it's the original. Yeah. Uh, the European vacation was the one I grew up. Or I watched when I was very young, and my dad loved it. And then this was the one, and then this in Vegas for me were like more like what I went through, but this is the one that we're talking about now. So I think the fact they took it away from the road trip and they did it Christmas, maybe it said something about what didn't work in the other ones. The only thing I was going to say in terms of there's, there is a, a getting into suspicious spin-offs. There is a sequel to this called, I think, Cousin Eddie's Island Getaway or something. Does How, Randy Quaid or Chevy Chase feature? Yes, it's Randy Quaid's in it. No one else from the film is in it. But I, I think need it's like, the money. James, John, <laughs> have either of you seen it being completists? 
No, I haven't actually. I'm going to have to. Existed. I'm going to have to look look up the official title, but but of course the other the, the other actress in this who ended up being a big star yeah. was Juliette Lewis. This was like her peak to stardom of early '90s. She just exploded. Whereas Do you guys it, remember when an actress like her, it would be like in the trailer, be like, and introducing. <laughs> that, that's how she would have been because she was so young. It's like, you've never seen her before. Introducing Juliette Lewis. Um, who was so yes, the one to uh, star in, you know, uh, many, many films. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, also known as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, is a 2003 American made-for-television comedy film. <laughs> four, four years later, people. No, no. That's, no, no. Uh, four, 14 years later. F- 14 years later, Charlie. Oh, wow. Sorry, I can't count. <laughs> so, yes, that's that's something. And there's also the the Vacation remake. I don't know if you guys I've, saw that. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. I'm very much on the same theme as the early ones to be honest yeah it was yeah. it was okay it yeah. wasn't like have you guys seen where the millers because i haven't and yeah. i'm like thinking is there anything that yeah. compares to this that's come out recently that's any good because i haven't seen where the millers i haven't i don't know where, where the millers is is enjoyable yeah. it's okay it's it's it, no it has got some good good laughs in it um i would recommend that um it's got jennifer aniston in her underwear i enjoyed that well, there Sold. you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that has got some some good awkward bits in it because they are pretending to be a family so they can smuggle drugs, I think, across the border, but they're obviously a fake family. And it's just all the, like, shenanigans that they get up to. So, yeah, no, it is. It's it, That's definitely worth a watch. I like Stukas. One of the best um, comedy films I've seen in recent years is uh, Game Night. Have you see, have you guys seen that? With, yeah. Uh, Jason Bateman? Yeah, that's check, good. Check, I've not seen that. Check that out. It is really funny. Speaking of Bateman, from podcast to podcast, we have to recommend a podcast that George and I have discovered recently with Jason Bateman that I can't even remember the name of. Smartless. Can, Smartless. So it's got, if, you've, have you guys watched any Arrested Development? No. Yeah. I think you'd like that. I think you'd Again, like that. Again, that's, you know, that's dysfunctional family. That's, that's uh... very dysfunctional family. It's got Ron Howard, you know, from Happy Days, yeah. uh, narrating, and it's got this guy, and it, it is very, it's it's kind of, it's it's Jason Bateman, but it's, I think, why it was so bold was it was one of the first shows that cut the can laughter. So there's well, like, for, okay. for, for American shows, anyway. We're, we're so used yeah. to that now. Like, what, It's weird when we go back and George and I obviously love our Alan Partridge and we watch it and there's all this canned laughter. And anyway, it's it's like this guy, Jason Bateman, and one of the other actors from that is and another guy from Will and Grace who I didn't know. They do this podcast and they did one where they interview... Um, they're obviously got lots of Hollywood chops, so they can get lots of big stars. But they had uh, Ewan McGregor on, and it's 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 pretty good. It's 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 okay. a good podcast. And as co- us podcast bros, gotta look out for this <laughs> podcast bros. Yeah, we've got to look out for the little people, haven't we, Charlie? Yeah, we have. We've got to give them yeah. a, a bit of a thumbs up. These poor guys—they're in Hollywood. You know, they're, yeah. they're getting screwed by Netflix. They need a lift up from the independent guys. G- guys got to eat. I've got one coulda, woulda, shoulda, and then we'll move on to some questions for the Glendening brothers. So coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George enlightens us and tells us which actors, and in some cases directors, were considered for this film but did not, for whatever reason, get chosen. 
So we have already covered the directors that were, were up and why they're too busy or didn't want to work with Chevy Chase. However, from an acting point of view, apparently none other than Leonardo DiCaprio tested for the role of Rusty and was deemed by the casting director as not goofy enough. So (laughs) there you go. Um, You know, Mr. Beautiful 25-year-old girlfriend, Oscar winner, climate activist, Leonardo DiCaprio could have been in this film. I think you meant to say 24-year-olds. Sorry, 24-year-olds. She's 25, she's too old. She's gone. It's like Running Man. They've got these collars when they reach 25 and their their heads just explode. Sorry, baby. I've got to go save the planet. You're going to have to go now. Right. So um, shall we jump on to some some quick-fire questions for the the brothers Glendening? Let's let's interrogate the Glendenings. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Who's looking th- more guilty right now? John looks John looks at ease. James looks guilty. Mm. Okay, so the situation is you're only allowed to watch one Stallone or one Arnie film. What film are you watching and why? So, James, I'll ask you that first. You've got uh, James, do you, want some, do you want some preamble? Okay, so you're on a sinking ferry. You realise that you're going to die. You can't get out of the room you're in. There's a VHS player. You've got everything in the VHS player. What are you going to watch? I'm going to have to go back to the roots and I'll go with Sly and I'll go with First Blood. Ooh. Um, uh, Survive it, War. You've got to become uh, one. First Blood Part 1. Part James. 1. Part 1. <laughs> it, before, it, before it got a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> particularly that scene in the woods with all the fight scene and, uh, you know, I, I think that just... I, Every time that film's on now, I still just watch it again and again, and I'd, uh, I, I would, I'd probably pick that one. If it was Arnie, I'd, I'd probably be going back to something quite early, similar to that as well, one of, it, one of his early films. But I'd, I'd go with Sly, First Blood. Nice. I, nice. Before we ask John, can I just say that, James, you're the reason why it took me so long to see um, First Blood Part 1, because I remember you saying to me, like you said to me, no, 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 the first one's crap. The, the second one, oh, he's got exploding, it. the helicopters and everything. The second he's got one, he's, got, he's, he's yeah. got an exploding bow and arrow. So it was, I think I was a student by the time, like 10, 10 years later, before I picked it up, I was like, don't think the first one's very good. And it, I think we covered it on the podcast. It is uh, obviously cinematically. It's a different uh, masterpiece, a different, different genre. Beast. But I, just, I remember, I can, I, can, I can almost see myself in your living room going, no, no, Charlie, no, we're going to put on First Blood. I watched First Blood Part 2 because you're like, no, 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 the first one's boring. It's like the story and character development and backstory <laughs> and emotion and shit. Whereas in this one, he blows up a helicopter with a, with a bow and arrow. I'm, I'm in. So, John, what are you going to pick? Are you going to go for Arnie and Sly, or Sly? What what film are you picking and why? And there's such a long list. You know, it's really hard to narrow down one. But if it had to be one, because I do watch it whenever it comes on and I just can't help myself. I think it's because it's so realistic and you can kind of picture yourself in that in, in his position. Is It's got to be Commando. Commando. Whoa. I knew you were going to say and, Commando. And, and, and the fact John. That any message, any message I ever received from you boys is always, how's your arm, John? <laughs> seriously, how is your arm, John? If Matrix would be here, he'd be laughing too. <laughs> uh, what I love, when, when George and I covered on the podcast, 
George, I did this whole preamble talking about, you know, like what the director had done and Nani's career and then just like set off the cuffs and probably just one of the best action movies ever made. And, <laughs> and it is because if you like action movies, you've got to realize that they're a bit ridiculous. You know, they're a bit silly, especially 80s. And this is the best. This is the most ridiculous, the the most nonsense. And it's like, just what are you going to do with the Porsche? I'm just going to roll it. I'm just going to roll it over. What a film. I, do, I, I, do, Charlie, I, do, I don't know how you can say it's ridiculous. I mean, for 100 people to be shooting at one man and none of them hit him <laughs> and hit, take them all out. I mean, you know, this could happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, John, uh, just to jump back to Rambo uh, First Blood Part 2, apparently the makers saw Rambo came out whilst they were making Commando and the producer apparently said, We've got to have a bigger dick than Rambo. We've got to kill more people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where that you know that James, we used to love that bit where he goes, he just goes in the shed and he starts getting he starts getting the lawnmower swords out. That was the Rambo effect, apparently. They were like, Gotta kill you know, more we people. need more bodies. Dress up we need more, more stuntmen. But he hasn't got any weapons left. Go to the shed. Plenty of weapons in the shed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They've all got machine guns and grenades. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I think there was some cut version. We were always looking out for the, oh yeah, this is, you know, there was, the, we're talking about the ITV, the dubbing, but there was stuff they cut in the first, oh, it's not in the version. Why? What's missing? Well, in the other version, he gets the, he gets the sword mm. through the head. Oh, we oh, missed no. that. Never mind. Never mind. As, the, as he's shooting the other hundred guys that, you know, are trying to hit him. They must have been playing the same game as we used to play, which was, how do you want to die? Because, they, <laughs> you know, you'd have that pause where they decide how they were going to fall down. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever played that murder, that murder game where you can kill, but you're not allowed to reveal it, soon you yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is why like people will probably look at the the scary movie films and say why why do people enjoy them but like when hot shots came out we were like we'd been through the whole rambo and top gun stuff yeah. so we enjoyed the nostalgia and the fact what they were poking fun at but like i think it tapped into that immaturity it's something that comes up a lot on retro rambos that because george and i made the almost fatal error of dissing tango and cash were like this film's oh. ridiculous it went through direct as hell how could anybody you know and then we forgot that there were probably 18 and 19 and 20 year olds going out to watch this film with their mates and they're like yeah. that's one of the best action movies we've ever seen and <laughs> and we were we were seven or eight when we watched these films mm. so we still have that sort of mentality to this genre and i think we don't want to disrespect but come on we were kids we shouldn't be allowed to watch it but we could so we did. <laughs> I think it's part, it's part of the problem when you're a film fanatic. It, it, it films literally, you know, run, rule your life. I was in the car the other day and, and Dream Lover by Bobby Darren came on and all I could think of was, yeah, Charlie Sheen on his motorbike with the woman on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, that's it. Like so many Christmas songs are informed by like, I know like James, you and I like chatting about, is it, you know, uh, you know, Christmas, you know, sort of the, the opening of as a gremlins and stuff like that. And obviously, um, you know, Jingle Bell Rock with uh, Lethal Weapon. So many of like the classic Christmas songs. Like, Oh, where's this from? Oh, it's from that film. And it's from, from that film. But yeah, it's it's sort of like, as Charlie always says, like muscle memory. Yeah, you hear the song. Sometimes you'd like, did did I hear the song before I watched the movie or mm. did I discover the song because of the movie? And it's probably the, the latter. Movie, yeah. Yeah. So talking about Christmas movies, uh, we've got you guys on. It's Christmas. 
I mean, Bruce Willis made it, drew a line in the sand and said, I think, when was it, George? He defined Die Hard as a Christmas movie. But for all said and done, what's your Christmas movie that's not typically a Christmas movie? How, would, how, how could I phrase that better, George? Obviously, there's the stuff like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon that are action movies set at Christmas. But I think the question that we are phrasing like, what film do you do you like to watch at Christmas that isn't a Christmas film? It has no connections to Christmas. So, for example, used to be on the TV when we were you know a, maybe yeah, had Ra- a cartoon before Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> or something like that, or a Star Wars. You know, I, obviously we grew up in a time of film premieres on TV around Christmas. There was the big Christmas movie. So, are there any films that you associate with Christmas that isn't a Christmas movie? Yeah, for for, for me, uh, Star Wars: A New Hope is still yeah every time. Just playing it. Oh, it did used to be played on Christmas Day quite regularly. Yeah, didn't it? It's a family movie. Um, so that's probably the one that resonates with me the the most. I would say, if uh, certainly from the from my childhood, and and I and I'd still enjoy watching that on Christmas Day now. Um, if, and, and I was such a massive Star Wars fan when I was when I was a kid. Obviously, I'm not now because I'm very mature and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Re- I'm a reputable man who has no need rep- That's right, yes. Space <laughs> operas. Well, once you're on the Disney gravy train, they won't let you go. You will be a Star Wars fan for life, John. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure the Sarlacc pit is still in our garden. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> James, what about you? I mean, I don't know. Does a question, well, for both of you, but James, maybe you can answer this. Is Where Eagles Dare set at Christmas or is it just because it's in the snow? Oh, good show. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just because it's uh, Austria in the snow, George. I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of links to Christmas in that film. But but you would would you associate that as a non-Christmassy Christmas film? I, I associate it as a bank holiday film rather than a festive Christmas film. I would, right. I would agree with James. That's got August bank holiday written all over it. It's like yeah. the end of the summer, it's getting cold. I know it's, you know what it is? It's a New Year's Day bank holiday, isn't That's, it? That's yeah. No, no. I, I, I think you've raised your game. The only thing it does resonate with Christmas is the blood. Is kind of like so red, it could be Santa. <laughs> it could it's be like apple sauce. But that, that I think I, I would argue that I think I, I remember turning to my dad at one point and saying about where is this a Bond film? So like, no, it's where he goes set. But it's like a Bond film. It's like, no, no, it's where he goes set. So is there another one? It's like, no. So it's not like because I couldn't get I just discovered yeah. Bond, you know, because it's yeah, we, we talked about getting Ray Ray on for that. You know, I think dad's, we might do, yeah. I it's think. hard to pin him down. He's playing golf. He's only playing golf six times a week. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's a tough man to pin down. But I'm sure, uh, yeah, I'm, but, sure the, um, I'm sure the I'm sure the Schloss Adler is very pretty at Christmas though. Oh beautiful. <laughs> Actually, John, John you, you, you joke, but we went on a road trip to yeah. like Austria when I think I was about six or something, and he took and he us stopped. to see. He took us to see the to fucking point out, castle, boys. Yeah. No, there it is. That, that's a castle from where he goes there. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I bet your first comment was, "Where are the cable cars?" <laughs> exactly. Where are the cable cars? Dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have. I was having a tantrum till I got sticks of dynamite with timers on them because these are just like how practical. It's like mm. 15 minutes. Just turn it around. So safe. <laughs> Child toy. Into, I think we've covered everything, George. Is there anything else we need to cover in terms of uh, we, we've got the boys on here? We've talked about uh, Christmas films, non Christmassy films. I'd, I'd probably say if, if I was going to pick one that I like to watch in December that's not necessarily Christmas, it would probably be Uncle Buck. 
Nice. We haven't nice. we haven't covered that on the podcast or watched that for a while. We were talking about this earlier, George and yeah. I. Um, I don't think we've covered we any John, John Candy. Candy. I don't we've think we've been done. doing this yeah. for five years. What? We never covered John Candy, and that is sacrilege. Because the great outdoors, the great outdoors. You've got to show the great outdoors. I know. There's great outdoors. There's train, train planes and automobiles. I know that's. Is that thank? Is that based around Thanksgiving weekend? So yeah, yeah sort yeah. of. So what we've just passed, yeah, yeah. But is that John Hughes? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it that's John Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, yeah. So I, the, I think... the great outdoors. <laughs> I'll race you home. <laughs> <laughs> best, best line, the best closing line, and he's just going. I haven't, I haven't watched that. That's been on. I think it's on Netflix. That's been on my Netflix watch list for ages. I need to revisit that because uh, I haven't seen it in years. Great outdoors. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, and that's another one actually. My kids really enjoyed. Interesting is is a obviously an older film that mm. my kids love that film. Nice one. Well, yeah, I definitely. I'm, I'm very, I'm very that. happy to hear, John, that you're you're you know indoctrinating your children slowly but surely. <laughs> good, good use of the word, Charlie. Good use of the word. <laughs> they, didn't have, they didn't have a choice. They had no choice whatsoever. Oh, Netflix is down again, Daddy. Yes. Yes, it is. What does that mean? It means we're watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, then Empire Strikes Back. It's okay. There's similarities. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's why we have to have four TVs at home so everyone can watch their own thing. <laughs> it's, well, now, you, now you're tapping into that great line from Vegas uh, Vacation that our family uses. Uh, oh, so everyone's having alone days. I think we discovered this film like when we were in our teens or something. And I can remember being on a, on a family holiday. We were like, I'm going to have an alone day. It's, it's a brilliant yeah. term for a family holiday. It's like, screw you guys. <laughs> I, um, I have had enough. <laughs> this family <laughs> awesome okay well um i think we've 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 had some we've had some great chats it's been great to have you guys on we'd love to have you back hopefully before our 200th episode because uh i i don't want to wait that long it's yeah been, um, and and there's plenty more van damme movies in in the list that we haven't covered yeah. yet what That's van damme films have we not covered actually no let's rephrase that question if we were to invite you guys on, because we kind of dragged you on for a Christmas episode because it was number 100 and we kind of forced Christmas vacation on, what would you like to cover, both of you? Do I call it absent without leave or lying heart? <laughs> <laughs> or should we just do a JCVD mashup? Should we just like, should we just do a thing where we get you on and we just do the best of JCVD? Oh, well, you know, I th- we haven't done yeah. AWOL. Double impact that has been requested a few times, and, and I think as it's George, all about, we haven't done kickboxer. We haven't done kickboxer, so oh. so there so there you go. We we did do we did blood sport and hard target as a double bill, didn't we? That was fun, and we've done universal <laughs> soldier, uh, and we did cyborg as one of our revelations. Have you guys episodes. watched cyborg recently? Not recently. Oh, oh no, because oh you, oh you God. advised us back in the day of don't yeah, watch you it. Said, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Or maybe it was Jamie. I'm going to have to get Jamie on. Uh, but like, I think one of said, no, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. Like, either you Universal or Jamie Soldier? said, not Universal Soldier, no, Cyborg. So Universal Soldier with Dolph Lundgren is great. Um, is that Van Damme as well in Universal Soldier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so that's yeah. Van Damme. But yeah. Cyborg was this B movie that he pops up in. And that's being generous. It's more it's, like a C it's, movie. Yes, God, I must have watched that for a long time. Yeah, it's don't bother. Seriously, turn offable. I did. <laughs> I, did watch, I did watch Death Warrant recently, and, and I, I watched it and thought, I'm sure that was a lot better when I watched it at the time. Before. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, well, I had no frame of reference. <laughs> 
I was going to say, one of the ones we haven't seen that we had lined up for our revelations as well is the one that's diehard in a hockey rink. What's it called? Um, Sudden, Sudden, Death. Sudden Death. We haven't watched Sudden that. Death. Yeah, so that's another one we need to add on, on the list. But yeah, uh, last, but no, last, I, I, last, last Saturday night, it, 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 you know, films were really poor on TV and I ended up at half past 12 watching Delta Force 5 <laughs> with, with good old Chuck and that still hasn't got any better. See, the thing is, John, I I've only ever five. seen Delta Force 4 and like I can remember watching it going, it was on TV and I was like, I haven't watched the other three and I think I was of the age where I was like, <laughs> Probably doesn't matter. And after I watched the fourth one, I didn't go back and watch the other one. So <laughs> all I can remember about all I can remember about Delta Force is on one of them, maybe it's all of them, he has rocket launchers on his bike. Um, oh no, I think that's part of the what's course. Not to like. <laughs> exactly. And and I was sold. Sold. <laughs> so that is Christmas Vacation. That is our hundredth episode. And what better way to celebrate it? than to have the Glendinning brothers on. I just want to say a very big thank you to you both. Thank you, John. Thank you, James. John, have you enjoyed your time on Retro Ramble? It's been all right. No, no, Joe, no. It's been great. <laughs> great to catch up with you you both. And, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, definitely have to get together in person. And uh, as you, you realise kind of how many fond memories we had as kids and we obviously spent so much time together. Uh, so it's been fantastic to... Uh, to catch up and talk about one of our favorite films. Like it was yesterday. Uh, James, James, great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been thoroughly enjoyable and uh, what a fantastic choice of film for us to, to make our debut with. And I always, I always think it's lovely to have these films that have so much memory and joy that are not necessarily critically acclaimed films, but bring so much joy and they will be forever be a, a you know, a, a staple on, on, on the shelf to watch every single year. Uh, well, you know, you you chose the film, James. So you know, we had to we had to, we had to go with it. But I'm glad you're happy with your choice. No, uh, no, it's been it's been awesome, awesome speaking to you both, and uh, very special for George and I, isn't that right, George? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it's been long, long overdue, and uh, it's been so great to to have you guys on. But as you say, John, it's just been so so great to to reminisce as well. Indeed. Thanks, guys. Great. Well, uh, for all you lovely listeners out there, thank you for listening. Check us out on all the social channels. Uh, we've got a blog. I think it's retroramble.blog. We've got Patreon. I uh, <laughs> want to show some support. It's always appreciated. There's some extra episodes there. And we will be back in the new year. Is that not right, George? Uh, can we tell them what we're doing next or we're just going to leave I them? I think we've got down. I'm going to surprise you on this because I think we we had one film in the frame, but I think we're going to do Inner Space. So I'm into that. Yeah, because someone on our Patreon requested it, and I thought it's a great film. I haven't seen it in a while. Let's do it. Great eighties. It's got Bennett. <laughs> it has got Bennett in it. It has. So so there's about to how's your arm, John? Yeah, it's it's, it's gone full circle. So um, I'm happy with that. We've got John Glendening. We've got Bennett. It's a tangent. It's sorry, it's a segue. Let's do it. But we also will be covering on our Patreon channel for Christmas. We'll be doing Cobra with Stallone as a revelation. A film that we've never seen. Yeah. Never seen it. No. You guys seen it? Yeah. Nope. nope. Yeah. John, thoughts? Give it in the sentence. Cobra, go. Yeah, it's not one of his greatest hits. Sorry, I've been really too polite now. It's, uh, <laughs> so we've got that to look really forward to. <laughs> 
And obviously we've been chatting a, a long while with, with the Glendening brothers, so we'll probably put extra footage on the Patreon channel because we've been talk talking for so long. Yeah, no, if uh, de definitely. We're going to have to cut this puppy down. There's just too many golden nuggets of chat and bands. So, gentlemen, thank you uh, for this episode. I have mainly been a crazy four-year-old dad like Chevy Chase, Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. We've had... The Glendinning Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> we've had John and we've had James. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'll see you at 150, 200. Don't know, don't know what diaries will allow, but we look forward to having you back on the podcast very, very soon. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.